Thank you, Stan and Phil, for that beautiful song and how true that is. We're going to turn to Lamentations. If you can find Lamentations in your Bible, it's after Jeremiah, Lamentations chapter 3. It was written by Jeremiah. And we're going to look at some very familiar verses. The uh, great, great song we sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness comes from this passage, Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 25 tonight. Jeremiah wrote, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. How do we react to the disappointments and the troubles of life when they come our way? We know they come our way, don't they? The prophet Jeremiah here shows us how he chose to respond to the difficulty that he faced as he tried to call the rebellious people of God back to him. Jeremiah didn't have an easy life. He was called to be a prophet to a people who didn't want to hear what God had to say. And sometimes we live in a day in a land where we feel like all around us nobody wants to hear what God has to say. Well, we're in good company. That's happened before, and God can still use us, even though we may be a small minority. Yet, God speaks through his people. Really, Lamentations is a series of what are called dirges, funeral laments. The five chapters correspond, each one, to one of these laments. uh, Jeremiah reminds us that sin in spite of all of its allurement and excitement, carries with it a heavy weight of sorrow, of grief, of misery, of barrenness and pain. The title of the book Lamentations comes from the first word in verse 1. It could be translated how, but it also can be translated alas, alas. It is a, it is a series of laments, lamentations. Jeremiah was wondering how all of this happened, how things had come to the way that they were with the people of God. Jerusalem had been destroyed, and Jeremiah, who was known as the, what kind of a prophet? The weeping prophet. Jeremiah was down in the dumps. Well, we've probably been there too. We've been down in the dumps. There's a lot that can cause us to be there. Disappointment, failure, sin, the sin of others, death. So many things can bring us to that place. As we come to this chapter, chapter 3, we see that Jeremiah opens his heart, not holding back the depths of his despair, but then he does something that we should 
notice that he did, and we should do it ourselves. We should follow this example. Even as he cries out about how terrible things were and why, why, and how, then we come to verse 19. Look at chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Remember my, re my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. And then verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. In the middle of his despair, what Jeremiah does is he says to break out of this pattern, to break out of this cycle, you can translate verse 21, yet I call this to mind. Yet I call this to mind. This I recall to my mind. It's almost, uh, it makes me think of like we have computers, don't we? With hard drives. And on those hard drives, maybe all kinds of files or documents. You just sometimes you have to go find it, though, and you have to open it. You have to, you have to call it up. You have to open it up. And Jeremiah is saying that in spite of his suffering and disappointment and all of the questions that he had, he stops here and he says, yet I'm going to recall this to my mind. And what is the thing he recalled to his mind? The passage that we read earlier. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. If you want to break out of a pattern of despair and discouragement and woe is me, and even if you get over into the thing of why, God, did you let this happen? Why is this happening? How could this happen? Recall this to your mind. And the first thing is remember who is on trial. So many times it's as if the people of God want to put God on trial. It's like we approach God from the standpoint of, okay, God, why uh, have you done this? Why have you allowed this? Why is this happening? And it's from the, almost from an emotion of, okay, God, you have to justify yourself to me. You have to prove your innocence to me. Well, we don't even believe that, do we? In our system of justice, a person doesn't have to prove their innocence. The case has to be proven against them. You're assumed innocent until you're proven guilty. But sometimes people come to God and they look at God and they say, Why God? How God? Why? How could you do this to me? How could you let this happen to me? And then Jeremiah remembered what the truth is. It's not God who is on trial. We're on trial. We're always on trial. Or at least we should be. That's what we deserve. We deserve to be on trial and condemned for our sin. And so what Jeremiah reminds himself of in the midst of his questions and his laments and his weeping and all of the things that he felt. He says, 
through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. So the next time you or I, if we begin to feel like it's so unfair what's happened to me, remember it could be a lot worse. It's only because of the mercy of God that we're not utterly destroyed. You see, the real question is, why does God do anything good for us? That's the real question. Not why this and how that. The real question is, God, why have you shown me any mercy? Why have you given me anything that is good? It's not God who's on trial. It's us. We just need to say thank you to God. An attitude of great gratitude to God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. It is natural, it is normal for us to have questions. But those questions that we have do not have to become dominant in our lives. Those questions can simply remain there as we trust in the goodness and mercy of God. Even when we don't understand, we see the bigger truth, and that is God's mercy is so much bigger than any question that I have about why this and why that that time and why didn't it happen and how why it happened the way that it did. I mean, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We're all going to die, all of us. And so to be, to be dominated in life by the question of, well, why did someone I love die at a particular time or in a particular way, when the Bible says we're all going to die, that is to focus on the wrong thing. We're all going to pass away because we live in a fallen and sinful world. And here Jeremiah saw all this suffering around him in the people of God, but he knew the people of God were sinful. And in the midst of all of those feelings and emotions, he was able to, to call to his mind an act of the will. He said, I, yet I will recall to my mind that it's only because of the mercy of God we're not all utterly destroyed. That's the first thing we should always remember. So bring that up in your mind. Click on that file. Open it up. If it wasn't for God's mercy, we wouldn't have anything good. So when we feel like we have gotten the short end of the stick, and we probably have, but so is everybody else, just remember we're better off than we deserve. God has given us so much more. This word uh, for the mercies of God, if it wasn't for the mercies of God, is a word that can also be translated the love of God, the loving kindness of God. I think the American Standard Version, the old 1901 American Standard, which is probably the most literal translation of the Scripture that's ever been done, the old 1901 American Standard Version. It's not; it's barely even in print today. 
but it translates this as loving kindness, the loving kindness of God. It's the Hebrew word hesed, hesed, which is a powerful word throughout the Old Testament. If it wasn't for the mercy and love, the loving kindness of God, then we would be consumed. We would be destroyed. And then a second thing, verse 22, don't doubt the love of God. Because he says his compassions fail not. The word compassions, notice, is plural. Isn't that interesting? It's not his compassion. His compassions fail not. It is plural, which doesn't make a lot of sense in English necessarily. But the truth is God's compassions is so, it's so huge, so amazing. There's so much compassion. It's like a river of compassion that in the Hebrew, the emphasis was made. It is plural. There's so much compassion from God. It is limitless. It is powerful. It is intense, this compassion of God. The word compassion comes from the Hebrew word womb and shows us the gentle feeling of concern and care that God has for each one of us, almost like a a loving mother, a mother who loves her child, even the child still in the womb. So a part of her. God has that kind of of love and compassion toward us. God's compassion comes from deep within him, and it, it flows like a river. And so don't ever forget that God is moved in his heart when he thinks about you. That's how much he loves you. So don't doubt the love of God. Nothing that can happen in this world can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what it tells us in Romans? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so uh, the, the love of God is without any doubt there for you and me. And then verse 23, God will provide what you need. And so remember how remarkable this is. Jeremiah, suddenly in the middle of this lament, he starts thinking about this, these things. He, he deliberately calls this to his mind. We should practice this. We should do this. So it's okay to have a pity party once in a while, but always in the pity party, click on this file. Open this in your mind. Lamentations 3, 22 to 25. That we really wouldn't have anything good if it was not for the love and mercy of God. Verse 23, they are new every morning. What? the compassions of God, the mercies of God. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. One writer said, what if you woke up every morning to find your purse or your wallet full of money? 
your car full of gas, your refrigerator full of food, and your youth and vitality fully restored. Feel pretty good, wouldn't we? That is the way it is with God's compassions and mercies. They are new every morning. You can never use them up. And so it's not like there's this storehouse, there's a finite amount, and all through our life we're whittling away at these compassions and mercies of God, and it's getting smaller, and it's getting smaller, and it's getting, and for some of us, we'd be afraid it'd really getting smaller really fast. That's not the way it is. They are new every morning. They are limitless. You remember the story of God providing manna for his people in the wilderness after they'd come out of Egypt. God sent it once a week, right? No. God sent the manna every day except on the Sabbath. The people were instructed to gather as much as they wanted because it would never run out. However, they were not allowed to store it except on the day before the Sabbath. In order to drive home his point, God told them that if they tried to save it, the maggots would come and spoil the manna. They were to gather just enough for that day, eat it that day, and then gather some more the next day. This was God teaching his people to trust him day by day for their needs. You see, God provides his mercies his compassions, all that we need, he supplies it day by day. They are new every morning. And so we can give thanks to him that he provides perfectly. This means at least two things. Number one, we don't have to live on yesterday's blessings. They're new every day, every morning. And God's blessings are never early, but they're also never late. They're right on time. And so trust the blessings, the provision of God in your life. And then there's sure hope for living here. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah was overwhelmed by the limitless supply of God's grace offered to him. And so whatever things that we have to go through, and there's some really hard things that we have to go through, things that you really, you can't minimize how difficult they are. But know that as we've even heard testimony here tonight, the Lord will be there with you through them. He will walk with you. He will provide you his mercies, his compassions, and he will give you what you need day by day. And you'll look back and you'll think, how did I ever get through that? And you may look back and realize you're never through it. You just adjusted to it. And God is still walking with you and he's still providing day by day, morning by morning, what you need. And he'll do that all the way until it's time to step into heaven. Into that perfect place. So great is thy faithfulness. I close with a 
story that you may have heard before. Uh, you certainly may remember the terrible earthquake that hit Armenia in 1988. You may be old enough to remember that. There was a family there who sent their young son, Armand, off to school like he did every morning. His father, Samuel, squatted before his son and looked him in the eye as he did every day. And he said, have a good day at school. And remember, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. And they hugged and the boy ran off to school. Hours later, a powerful earthquake hit the area. In the midst of the pandemonium, Samuel and his wife tried to discover what happened to their son, but they couldn't get any information. The radio announced that there were thousands of casualties, many buildings had been destroyed, and so Samuel put on his coat and headed for the school. When he reached the area, what he saw brought tears to his eyes. Armand's school was just a pile of debris. Other parents were there, standing around, crying. Samuel found the place where he thought it was Armand's classroom, where it used to be, and he began pulling a broken beam off the pile of rubble. He then grabbed a, a rock and put it to the side. He grabbed another one, and one of the parents looked on and said, What are you doing? I'm digging for my son, Samuel said. The man said, you're just going to make things worse. The building is unstable. Well, it had collapsed already. The man tried to pull Samuel away, but he wouldn't quit. He set his jaw and kept working. As time went on, one by one, the other parents left, thinking their children were dead. And then an official tried to pull Samuel away from the rubble. Samuel looked at him and said, won't you help me? And the man left, and Samuel kept digging. All through the night into the next day, Samuel continued digging. Parents began to come and place flowers and pictures of their children on the ruins. But Samuel kept working. He picked up a beam, pushed it out of the way, and then he heard a faint cry. Help. Help. Samuel listened, but he didn't hear anything again. And then he heard a muffled voice. Papa, Papa. Samuel began to dig furiously, and finally he could see his son. Come on out, son, he said with relief. No, Armand said. Let the other kids come out first, because I know you'll get me. Child after child emerged until finally little Armand appeared. Samuel took him in his arms, and Armand said, I told the other kids not to worry, because you told me that you'd always be there for me. Fourteen children were saved that day, because one father was faithful. How much more is our father faithful to us? He will always be there for us. No matter what you go through, no matter what you face, remember, great is thy faithfulness. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness that you have to provide for us. Your mercy, your compassion, we don't deserve it. 
And many times we don't focus on it. We live our lives as if we're entitled. Lord, help us to be more humble. Help us to look to you in every situation and just be grateful for your mercy, your compassion, and your faithfulness. And Lord, in turn, help us to show people mercy and compassion. Help us to remember, Lord, that when we think we're better than others, we're no better than anybody else. We've just experienced your mercy and your compassion. So, Lord, help us to show that to people. Help us to be faithful, to be the people that you want us to be. We thank you so much for your presence here tonight. And now in this time of invitation, if you've laid something upon our heart, that we need to respond to you by making a commitment or a dedication to you publicly or privately. We pray you'll help us to do that and to be faithful to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.